What a day, right? Hallelujah. Listen, I'll tell you what. Um, we know the Lord is doing things all over the globe right now, and His people are rising up to be obedient to Him, and it's kind of reminiscent of what we see in Scripture when His people obey, right? And that's the key point. This morning, you know how it is for us preachers. We get these things, these notes, all this stuff that God wants to say, and then He kind of says, hey, I want you to do something different. Well, um, like... Like, as I was inspired through the Holy Spirit just a minute ago, I want to share something with you. We're going to get to that lesson today. We're going to continue this chronological lesson. It's very important for all of us today. But I want you to hear me say something clearly. I just feel like somebody needs to hear this. I've been around some folks uh, lately, and I've heard these statements lately. Things that allude to this kind of comment. What does it take for a person to get to heaven? Question. The comment that I've heard is this kind of comment. Are you ready? From people who call themselves believers, from people who call themselves Christians, from people who attend church or have attended church in the past, this is the kind of statement that I've heard and that I want to talk about for just a moment. So you're kind of getting two sermons for one today. So hey, it's your lucky day. I hope. I'm good enough. Or, like that third grader told me that I shared with you Wednesday night, years and years ago, I'm just too bad. God can't forgive me. Listen to me, folks. Everybody in this room needs to hear this. You're everybody. And by the way, your track record may be stellar. Listen to me. You are still not good enough. You are not good enough on your own. You cannot do this world on your own. You are not created literally to do this alone. If you want to get to how you were created, you and I were created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 We were created in the image of God to worship God with our whole life and everything. Sin crept in and destroyed that. However, God had a plan, and he came down, and he lifted us up. He came down just like he did in the burning bush, just like he did over and over in Scripture, just like he did when Jesus was born as a baby. And you need to hear this right now. Jesus was born as a baby so that he could die on the cross for you and I. He took the place for us. This morning in my prayer, I wrote down, thank God for substitutionary atonement. We cannot pay the price. Jesus paid the price. You need to live this because the people around you are hurting and they're trying to be good enough. And there is no good enough without Jesus taking your place. Because only Jesus is good enough. Amen? So look, hey, the deal is this. You know at the end, you know how the church service thing works, right? We're going to give an invitation. And somebody in here all your life, you've been trying to be good enough. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that maybe you weren't saved in the first place. 
Because all your salvation is, is this thing of you trying to be good enough. And all you're doing is consistently chasing this repentance and, and forgiveness when you've never repented in the first place. You've never turned away from your sin and turned toward your Savior. And I want to invite you today to be saved. I want to invite you today to follow Jesus. Put down everything else in your life and say, Jesus, I will follow you today. Just know this right now. That me and a bunch of folks are going to be down here ready to accept you with, your arm, with our arms wide open and say welcome to the family. Amen? Today can be your day of salvation. Sermon number two. You ready, Davo? All right. First thing I want to do is I want to talk about this real quick. This, is a, this, is, this lesson today is really part of my heart because one of my hearts, if you know me at all, it's discipling, mentoring the next generation, the next generation of leaders, all these things. I can look back and see how God has used just so many things in my life to help me do what he's called me to do, and it's just that. And today we're going to talk about the relationship between Moses and Joshua, okay? Moses literally is called to commission Joshua as the leader that would lead the people into the promised land. But today I want to do something interesting because we got a bunch of leaders in here right now. If you are an adult that you had any part to do with D-Now, host a home, feed a group, drive a van, whatever you did, I want you to stand up right now. Disciple Now Weekend for our students. Stand up, stand up. Don't, I don't have time. Y'all hurry. Come on. We got people going to leave and go to lunch, man. Y'all give it up for these leaders. Okay? That's right. Now, I'm going to ask if our adult leaders would sit down, but the leaders that came from other places to be college leaders with our youth. You guys stand up. Now, now real quick, um, I know we got South Alabama represented. Is that everybody here? Okay. Y'all, these folks drove up from the University of South Alabama to lead our students. Let's give it up for them. Okay. So listen, so good, so good, so good. Y'all have a seat real quick. But I want everybody in here taking notes, being ready for what God's going to say to you today because this is so important. So here's the story. Numbers 27. 12 through 23. Y'all ready? Numbers 27, 12 through 23. One day the Lord said to Moses, Climb one of the mountains east of the river and look out over the land I give, I've given the people of Israel. After, after you've seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron. What? Wait, Lord. Huh? What? For you both rebelled against my instruction in the wilderness of Zin. When the people of Israel rebelled, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. These are the waters of Meribah and Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as leaders for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and lead them into battle. So the community of the Lord will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. The Lord replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him as the whole community of Israel will obey him. When direction from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eleazar the priest who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord to determine his will. 
This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel were determined everything they should do. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar the priest and the whole community. Moses laid his hand on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father. So we're on a movement. We're trekking through on the way to the promised land. And you throw us a curveball. God, speak to us today in this story. Teach us about our own very lives and how we need to literally commission the next generation. We love you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, and this may be tied into the number one sermon that you already heard, but it's real simple. You ready? We all have a day to die. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. I want to see them. If you got your hand raised, you're going to die one day. Okay? By the way, if you didn't raise your hand, you're going to die one day. We're all going to die one day. I don't know about you, but I'm going home. I mean, sometimes, y'all remember that song, Beulah Land? You remember that? I'm not going to sing it. Say hallelujah real quick. Okay? Do that. I do love it, though. Hey, in the car, in the shower, I can sing Beulah Land like nobody's business. Okay? I'm just saying. But I love the line that says, I'm kind of homesick. You know that one? You ever get homesick? I'm going home one day. God knows the day. I don't know the day. I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue what the day is. We all got that day. How would it be if God looked at you and said, hey, Keith, I want you to climb that mountain because you like to climb mountains. I want you to climb, go hiking over there, climb that mountain. Oh, and you're going to die. I believe I'd stay down on the valley. What what do y'all think? I believe, Lord, I don't feel like hiking today. We've all got a time and place. Listen to the scripture. And one day the Lord said to Moses, climb one of the mountains east of the river and look over the land that I've given the people of Israel. Check out the promised land. Go ahead and look at how good it is. Look at how sweet it is. And after you've seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron. You're not going to get to go in. Why? The bottom line is, if you know the story, Moses tried to steal God's glory and honor. He was fed up with the people. And I just don't understand that. I could never get fed up with y'all at all. I don't understand that at all. He got fed up with the people. He was frustrated because he would keep saying the same thing, keep doing the same thing, and literally now, oh good, because of disobedience, we've got to go 40 more years. Great. And we're really looking at it. We can go in, but we can't go in. And now we're here, and now I can't go in at all. What would you do? Would you say, fine, that's it, I quit then. I'm going to die anyway. Is that what he does? No, he doesn't. We'll get to that in just a minute. But understanding and knowing that you've got a day to die. I want you to think about your life. So literally, you could die today. 
You could die in 20 years from now. Whatever that day is, I'm going to ask you a question. You guys have heard this. You probably heard this a lot at a funeral. But I want to ask you if you've heard this poem. Because I want you to think about on your tombstone that dash, right? The Dash by Linda Ellis says this. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following dates with tears. But he said what matters most of all is the dash between those years. For the dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things that you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left. That can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real. And always try to understand the way other people feel. Be less quick to anger. Show appreciation more. To love the people in our lives like we've never loved them before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read and your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things that they say, and they will say them, about how you spent your dash? We all have the day to die. But my question to you today is, how are you living what are you doing with your life? The pastor and author John Piper said this, don't waste your life. And by the way, if you're not following Jesus, if he is not your Savior and Lord, if you're not loving people with the love of Christ, you may just be wasting your life. I want to encourage you today to have the kind of attitude when Moses literally heard from God, hey, uh, you're going to die. You're not going to get to the promised land. You're not going to see it. This was his idea. This was his comment immediately after that. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. He knew his place, y'all. Very important. Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and lead them into battle so the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord desires for us to mentor and make disciples. We've got to pour into the next generation. Immediately Moses says right here, well, if I'm dead, get somebody else to lead them well because I still love them. I still care for them. It's pretty amazing. Because a lot of times we just quit and say, well, fine, then I'm out of here. It's not about us. Somebody say, it's not about me. It's not. It's about Jesus. It's about the Lord. And right here we see that Moses is living that out and fleshing that out. The Lord desires us to mentor and make disciples. You know, about maybe 10 years ago, I started hearing people use this phrase called disciple making discipling, 
Like, like right now, if you type in discipling in a Word document, it's going to tell you you don't know how to spell. Right? So about 10 years ago, we started hearing these words come up. But the reality for me is, that's all I ever knew. I used to sit down, and y'all have heard this, because I'll, I'll tell you until I can't tell you anymore. But I used to sit down at Pasquale's Pizza, can I get a witness? Okay? That's some thin crust that's really good. With my youth pastor, Gary Mays, and he would challenge me, he would encourage me, he would challenge me to read the Bible and know God's Word and to be the man of God, even as a teenager, that I should be. Listen to me. When I said, even as a, even as a teenager, somebody should have got up and just walloped me right across the chin. You need to understand a lot of the leaders in Scripture that you read about, they were teenagers. If you say that this right here is the church of the future, you are absolutely mistaken. This is the church of the now. We have to pay attention to this. Senior adults, adults, older adults like me, we have got to pour into this generation like never before. You've heard the phrase that, they're only, that we're only one generation away from just total atheism and, and chaos in our world and, and the Christianity dying. It is absolutely true. And what we know as a fact in our country and a world is that we are changing in that. Our generations have not carried the, 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 the mantle of Christ and their children and grandchildren are not following the Lord. It's just the truth. The numbers don't lie. You remember the day when you, when you took an offering envelope and you checked it off where it had all the things that you're supposed to do to be a good Christian? You know those days? Well, that wasn't necessarily the best idea, but I can tell you this, that one of those things was to be present, and you check that off, and today, Barna Research says that the number is 1.2 times a month. The average believer, follower of Jesus, church member, attends church. So that means you're only at church, just say, 15 times a year. Is that what being a disciple and being mentored is all about? Is that the depth of our faith? Is that going to last? It's not. Is it going to multiply? No. Can we change this? Yes. If we decide we're going to disciple mentor, lead, and train, and equip those in the younger generations. We have to do it now. It's a calling for all of us, not just in leadership. In verses 18 through 20, we see that God chose Joshua to lead the people. The Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the Spirit in him. Lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so that the whole community of Israel will obey him. That sounds like a great leadership text, right? That sounds like the great next step to find your next leader and do your thing. However, if you're Moses, just letting you know, that is not a fun thing. That is not fun for Moses. But why? I don't understand. Let me explain it to you the best way I can. When I was a youth minister in this town called Byram, Mississippi, a suburb of Jackson, 
a wonderful church, Country Woods Baptist Church. Great leadership, great team. We literally, I was called there to create a student ministry. It was a young church, and I was able to, to ground up. We, we built buildings. We, we, it was so much fun just being, it was almost like working with Legos, you know? Like, I love Legos, by the way. And you get to create whatever you wanted, and that's the kind of youth ministry that I had. And today, it's been awesome to look back at some of those students. We've got students that are worship pastors in church, that are business leaders for their community and loving Jesus all over the place. As a matter of fact, one of those students that's a worship pastor, she put me in contact with Ricky Kennedy. That's how we got in touch with him. And here's the point. The point is, I knew that God was calling me to another church in Alabama. So we figured, how are we going to do this? Lord, what, how are we going to you know, do this? And there was a person that the Lord said, you need to get this person to be the interim youth minister. He's here all the time. He's leading, he's working, he's training. You need to take him on the youth camp because you're going to leave right after that. You're out of here. You're gone. You need to take him and introduce him as the new interim youth minister. And I thought on paper, that sounded like a great idea, God. And I'm sitting there in the room and I'm talking to him about how you got to follow God and all those things and everybody's crying and getting all sad and everything like that. And, you know, kind of made me feel good. You know, people like upset that I'm that I'm not, you know, that I'm going to be gone. And y'all, I called Gerald to sit next to me and I said, but God. Amen. But God, what a sin. And I said, this is our next interim youth minister, Gerald Young. And y'all, that place erupted. Those kids loved Gerald so much. They were so happy. They were so elated. The tears went to joy. They stood up and started jumping up and down and, and clapping their hands and just jumped on him and hugged him and stuff. And I just literally was pushed out of the way. It grew me. I learned. And now Gerald, who did a wonderful job there, but they called him full-time, by the way. He was interim for a very short period of time. Went full-time. It was the best thing God, you know, just laid it out perfectly. He's now an executive pastor of a, of a, of a much larger church. Incredible ministry. You never know what God's doing. You just have to be obedient, right? God will put people in your life that you have to disciple, you have to mentor, you have to give your leadership away. This is very difficult. Because what you like to do is own it and it's yours and you don't want to transfer it and give it away. I was, a, I was in ministry one time and, 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 and it was a situation where um, I, I uh, was encouraging the youth band, you know, praise band. And trying to train them and equip them and everything like that. When they were playing, I was going to miss being there. And someone said, oh, you can't be out of town. I said, well, it's, it's my dad. i gotta be, I got to be out of town. Oh, you can't do that. You won't get any accolades. And I look back at him and I said, I don't want any accolades. I don't care. Amen? Look, it's about them taking their skills, ability, talents, gifts, and using it for the kingdom of God. It's about you, you ready? Taking your gifts, talents, abilities, 
and transferring them to the next generation. You will make connections if you're willing to go out and make connections with people that have the same gifts, talents, and abilities you do, and you'll be able to make them better and stronger because you can teach and train them. You can teach and train them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The next point in verse 21. It says, When direction from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eleazar the priest, who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord to determine his will. This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel were determined everything they should do. This is a point in time where when decisions would come for Joshua, they would always seek the Lord for his will. We have always got to seek the Lord for his will. We can't go out alone and think that it's all about us because that will kind of get it going backwards. It's always about him. Another student that I discipled and mentored, his name was Ben DeBell. And Ben was one of my favorite guys ever. It's because we just became friends. I would meet with him every Tuesday. And we, we, we practiced his senior year in high school. Every year we practiced two of my favorite things. Number one, he was a kicker for the football team. So I got to catch his kicks while he kicked for an hour. Every, after, every Tuesday afternoon. And I'd catch him and I'd punt him back to him because I couldn't do what he did. Right? And so I was having fun playing football. And then you know what we did after that? Something really godly. We call it chips and queso where I'm from. Okay? So we'd leave the football field and we'd go get some chips and queso. And we'd enjoy that fellowship. And during that time, it was training and mentoring and discipling. You ready? Y'all, look. Oh my goodness. Don't miss this. It's exactly what Gary Mays did with me at Pesquale's. I was doing it at the Mexican restaurant with Ben. Do you see what's supposed to happen here? That's how this happens. It's a continual basis. We keep mentoring and discipling. We keep pouring into the next. So when it got to be time for him to make those decisions, oh, you'll be a great youth minister. You, as a matter of fact, I know people. You know, I know people, I'll get you connected. You go to seminary, you'll get in the deal. And right now, well, here's the deal. Right now, Ben is an incredible counselor and loves to counsel students, adults alike, and pour the love of Jesus on them in a counseling ministry. And he started a 5013C that's called Rain Down Ministry in Alabama which is taking the less fortunate folks of the world and taking them on hunting trips. Did I design that? Did I write that down for him? Did I do that? Because that wasn't my path. But I wanted to take him and make him the greatest next youth minister in the world. But that wasn't God's plan. Now he's running circles in his own leadership and discipling. Oh, I didn't tell you about that, did I? He's a high school boys or middle, I can't remember. But he's a boys Sunday school teacher at First Baptist Trustful. So he's pouring into the life of these students and he's doing the same thing that's been done for him. Do you get it? Always seek the Lord for his will. Always continue to disciple and mentor people. Then in verse 22 and 23, Moses did as the Lord's commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar the priest and the whole community. Moses laid his hand on him, commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Joshua 
<coughs> excuse me, will lead the people into the promised land. Listen, Moses did one thing that's critically important at this point. He trusted God. He trusted God and said, okay, I know I messed up. I know that I'm not going to lead the people into the promised land, but I at least want to see it happen. I want to know it's going to happen. I want somebody to do that and take these people to where you're calling them. And he trusted God enough to put Joshua in his path and to mentor and to disciple Joshua to be the leader that he needed to be. Joshua chapter 1 verses, well really the whole chapter 1 is one of my favorite passages in the scripture. I take with me a lot of times, be strong and courageous. You know that phrase? It comes from several passages on there. God speaks to Joshua just like he spoke to Moses. And let me tell you this right now, that if you're not mentoring and discipling the next generation of leader, you're missing out on a blessing. All these things will come to fruition. All these things will happen as God called. But the question I'd ask you today is really simple. Write this down on your thing. Who am I discipling? And you circle that and you pray about that and God will put people in your life Whatever your leadership role is, whatever your thing is, God will put people for you to disciple. Will you bow your heads with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we've come to hear your word today, be a part of the things that you've done and all the blessings. We want to be obedient even in the hard days. Even in the days that don't make sense to us, we want to bless your name with our actions, attitudes, and words. When you put people in front of us, Lord, we don't want to ignore that. We want to see that as a moment that you've called and ordained and created for us to mentor and disciple the next generation. Or the next person that's just there. Oh, Heavenly Father, I know today in this room, there's people that have been running for you from you for a long time. And today, I just pray that they need to run to you. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.